You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 738 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Well, 30 years ago, a little movie called Cool Runnings told the story of the Jamaican Olympic bobsled team. And in the words of my friend Sanka Coffee, we're feeling very Olympic today. Tune in as we connect with U.S. Olympic silver medalist Sabine Shudkeri, Canadian and U.S. Olympic hopeful power couple Thomas Walker and Ryan Turkelly, and a big-time Olympic supporter, Patty Mayer. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Wellington, Florida. And this is Noah Ratner back in Sherwood, Oregon. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. How's it going, Reese? Good. How are you? Oh my gosh. It was so good to see you last week. I can't believe I can't believe that we finally actually saw one another in in the flesh, in in like real life. Yeah. (laughs) In the flesh. In in well, we had seen each other. So we're gonna have to make it a monthly thing now because we saw Mm -hmm. each other in Omaha and then Mm You know, it's it's so funny because, again, in Wellington, everybody's here and we all live within, I mean, from where I live to you is maybe <laughs> 15 minutes, but right. it is, it, it's just, there's so much that goes on. And sometimes oh you end up at the same places and sometimes you don't, and you literally mm-hmm. schedule out. You have a, I have a social calendar. Which the social calendar, exactly exciting. right. It's not even exciting, but you know, it's, I'm going to dinner tonight and I have this on that night. And so it's, it's really cool. So to be able to like connect and, and you're going to be back in a few weeks, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun. It's wild. Uh, the the journey home from Wellington. I mean, it was it was a great week. We had so much fun. Uh, we had the first uh, the first horse show at Global for the 2024 season, the first CDI, and that mm-hmm. was great. And uh, and then right on the on the heels of that, we had the 2024 Adequan FAI level USDF Trainers Conference, um, yeah. which was awesome and it was so much fun uh getting to getting to rub shoulders and and uh, watch the amazing clinic and we had such a good time there didn't you think that was great we did we had a great time and that's what's so fun about that conference every year uh we sit in the one corner and somebody tried to change our corner i was like no no we don't change the corner we're always <laughs> cornered at that's if you ever <laughs> want to see us that's where we are we're at F because you know inevitably because i have my horses here you know the vets here or the farrier or i have to run out or um it's not quite as easy i used to run home and like ride a few horses you know the lunch break or whatever <laughs> but i can't do that anymore because my farm's a little bit far from where we were it's like mm. 45 minutes so it's a little bit further but um yeah it was so great and sabine she is truly I think you're just going to love her interview. And she is literally like that in person. She is the kindest soul. Absolutely. Watching her train. Oh my gosh. And Sven Rotenberger, I I got to 
I have met him before, but it was many, many moons ago. I was literally 18 um, <laughs> at Mr. Schumacher's and, and my friend had a horse at his barn. So we would go there and we would see him. And uh, I met him then. And and his kid, Sonica, was little. I mean, I remember seeing him play on the play gym by the barn. And so it was so fun to see him for me personally, because we both um, trained at the same place. I was He was at Neuhaus oh, wow. for many years. Yeah, he was at Hofka mm. Neuhaus. Conrad Schumacher's for years and I missed him by about six months. And so mm-hmm. he had left her a couple months before he and, and his now wife, um, now their grandparents actually, but they had just <laughs> met and they got married and moved on to their farm. And, and I came in. So uh, it was fun. I, I got to chat with him just for a couple minutes and, and I was a little like, throwback. I met. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't remember me, but I remember him. <laughs> I remember going to his farm and, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. We were joking about where we sit in the um, in the arena during this uh, during the conference. But um, one of the things that I noticed is nobody left like from the beginning of the conference to the end of the conference. People were enthralled like this was was this was so well done. And the clinicians just worked seamlessly with one another. Um, You know, the um, the content and, and the education that was going on. I don't think you could leave. Even if you like physically needed to leave, you're like, no, I, I can't miss anything. I can't, I can't miss <laughs> this anything. is too no, good. And, and that is not sometimes some of the clinicians, people, people head out. So it was cool that everybody stayed and just to see the difference in the horses. But and you'll hear it in the interview and, and we'll, we're going to get to it because seeing is to not to be missed. But um, just their their level of detail and the basics was just remarkable and such a good reminder for everybody who was sitting in that mm-hmm. in that. And and I hope that every trainer took that back to their students, which is uh, we saw some of the best riders in the country literally doing basics and working on their position and working on transitions. And uh, it doesn't change as you as you get fancy, uh, you know, fancier in quotation marks. And and I think that was just <laughs> so cool to see some of the top trainers in the world were like, nope, we're going to bring you back to a 20 meter circle for 10 minutes and work on a couple things. Uh, and I, it certainly made me sit a little taller and come home and train a little bit in more detail. So I, it was a great conference. And the hosts at High Moto Farm are so, so exceptional. And Marianne and Walter McPhail did such an amazing job, as always, and just being tremendous hosts and sponsors and supporters, um, extraordinaire. And it was so much fun to to see Marianne there and to get to talk to her. And, of course, the recognition uh, that the Federation and the Dressage Foundation all gave them. I've heard whispers about next year's clinician, and y'all need to hold on to your seats. It is, I mean, this <laughs> I was... Amazing. This was amazing. I'm and I can't, my nope, my lips are sealed. I will not say a peep. But, <laughs> I'm gonna okay, uh, everybody. I'm gonna try to get it. I don't know. <laughs> No, this is exciting. Nope, not happening. Not happening. <laughs> but I, you, de- if if you missed out this year, I'm sorry because it was fantastic. Yeah. And Sabine Shakari and Sven Rotenberger and Lilo Four were exceptional. And uh, and you're going to hear lots about that from Sabine today. But uh, next year's um, next year's lineup is phenomenal. And uh, and I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to put that date on your calendar. Go to the USDF.org website um, and make sure that you pay attention to the 2025 Adequan USDF. FEI level trainers conference, mark that date on your calendar and be sure that you are there and watching that space because I know tickets are going to fly once the clinicians are announced. You guys are, you're in for it. 
So anyways, it. we have lo- we have lots to do. We have, uh, like I said before, like we're feeling very Olympic today. Are you feeling Olympic today? <laughs> I'm feeling Olympic. So we're going to have this short break from Kentucky Performance Products and get into it. And we hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's do it. This Nutritional Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Biotin is a B vitamin and has become commonplace in feed rooms across the world because of its reputation as an effective hoof supplement. An interesting fact that was discovered by researchers looking at biotin's impact on hoof quality was that horses with normal blood levels of biotin still had poor quality hoof horn and that despite normal blood levels, horses responded to high doses of biotin given orally. This tells us that unhealthy hooves are not necessarily a result of a deficiency. Over the years, multiple other studies have found a statistically significant improvement in overall hoof condition when horses are supplemented with at least 20 milligrams of biotin per day. Researchers found that if improvement in hoof quality was seen within 8 to 15 months of supplementation, the horse would need to remain on biotin the rest of its life to maintain that improvement. Other nutrients such as zinc, methionine, and iodine can also affect hoof quality. A well-balanced hoof supplement will contain all of these nutrients in addition to the 20 milligrams of biotin per serving. When you're looking for an affordable, effective hoof supplement, we recommend Caraform Hoof and Coat Supplement. If you want a show ring shine and strong, healthy hooves, you can count on Caraform. You can learn more about Caraform at kppusa.com. Got questions about your feeding program? We can help. Email Karen at questions at kppusa.com or call us at 859-873-2974. Well, we just wrapped up a very exciting week in South Florida at the 2024 Adequan USDF FEI Level Trainers Conference at High Meadow Farm, where we had the pleasure of two fantastic clinicians that joined us for the week, including Sven Rotenberger and our friend Sabine Schutkeri, who we are pleased to welcome back to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Sabine. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Hi, Sabine. It is old times here, and we're so excited to have you back on the show, Sabine. Um, we had an amazing experience at High Meadow Farm last week. They were such incredible hosts to, uh, you know, once again, year after year, host this uh, pivotal conference that I think um, the the trainers and the riders in the U.S. that are eligible to attend um, really put as a, as a major event on their calendar that they have to attend. Um, tell us a little bit about what it was like to be uh, the featured clinician this year. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I felt very honored when I was asked, and it was like really interesting and also for me very interesting, um, you know, to collaborate with Sven Rottenberger and with Lilo Four. And I would say, you know, there's not a day that goes by where when working with horses, there's not something, you know, we all learn. So for me, it was you know, yes, I was um, one of the the teachers, but I also walked away with a lot of things that I learned and and just, um, yeah, it was just a really good experience. And again, there's always something to learn for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. And Sabine, you started the, you, you were able to see the riders the day before, right? So you were able, can you kind of mm-hmm. explain to people the whole conference and how it works for, for on your side? 
Yeah, um, I mean, it was a little more difficult um, because Sven wasn't here yet. But, you know, we always love to get a little bit uh, the European input and the trainers from from overseas is such a great value. So it was fantastic to be able to have Sven's time and attention and knowledge. But um, he was not there that day so i think it was a little more challenging for him but he did you know obviously amazing so the day before and what we do we get applications um to come in and i think this is uh, for you know rider applications but i think what's really interesting is how you get chosen it doesn't mean if you didn't get chosen that you're not good enough good enough has actually nothing really to do with it at least not for us this year, because we really tried to pick um, horses that we felt we could um, demonstrate something with a horse rider combination. And we also tried to have a little bit of a variety. We didn't want always the, you know, advanced and close to perfect, really good riders. I think they have done it a lot. Um, I think we wanted something really authentic also with some really authentic and everyday training issues that all of us deal with. But again, with horses that we felt like we could demonstrate some um, exercises that could be helpful for the audience and also for the, the demo riders as well. And I can't stress it enough. I've done it myself as a rider, but Still, I can't say it enough to thank these riders to put themselves out there yeah. in front of so many people, not knowing, you know, how the coaching style would go and really not knowing what to expect. Right. And um, so it's 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 huge. So that is always something to thank, be thankful for. I think the um, the rider and the horse selections that were made for this clinic were really exceptionally well done. And, you know, I, as I sat through watching Endel Otz's ride, um, I know that, um, I you know, we all know that Endel's an exceptionally um, talented rider. And the horse that he is on is also an, an incredibly talented partner. And Sven was putting them through some paces that, you know, most people would say, hey, these are fairly basic skills. But I think for so many of the trainers that are in the crowd watching. Um, it's such an awesome experience for them to be able to see the training progression and see a foundational skill being applied to a top-level rider. And I think that it really takes a talented clinician to be able to deliver that and be able to explain a concept while still challenging the rider. What were some of the highlights for you as far as the nuggets? I mean, we had Lilo Four was there as the facilitator. You had your colleague Sven Rotenberger that was there. What nuggets of knowledge um, did you guys take away from uh, from this clinic just really like i know it's such a cliche word working on basics but it really i think it went really well because i think that was close to all three of our hearts when lilo's and mine and um you know it's always very entertaining and fun when you have riders do grand prix movements or movements in general but truly what's the hardest is working on the basics and that is also always really challenging to improve in a clinic format of two days because it does take a little bit longer and I try to really also point out to give some exercises and things I would look for, but also 
gave was trying to give riders and trainers confidence that that is not you know we won't always see the difference in one or two rides and really sent them with some exercises and and thoughts um home and it really takes a very educated eye and and i you know again i mean we all keep learning this is i guess why we're all so hooked also (laughs) on this sport (laughs) because it it's always something more and so it's very you know inspiring and wanting to keep moving and trying to make it better but it really takes a very very educated eye to see when a horse is truly working through the entire body in the sense where it represents the whole training scale and it's a what we're facing nowadays with with this fine breeding and where the breeding got so so well and improved it's a very fine line with the quality in today's breeding of the horses where true throughness is being or can be masked by the quality of the gates and not natural uphill balance that these horses come with and but even those beautiful moving horses and that have naturally a little bit more uphill balance than we used to like 30 years ago in the end i feel like every horse still needs to be gymnasticized and trained but I think these symposiums, again, are really great to really show it in person, why that is important. And I think Sven did also a great job with these talented and more upper level riders to showcase that, how that is so important because it's very seducing to ride very flashy and you have great results in the young horse classes or can and also lower levels but i think by the time you get to grand prix there is no way around it that you have to have a trained a supple a happy and a gymnasticized horse so that was really is really close to my heart and I felt uh, working with Lilo now closer and the day prior, she's the same way. And I felt when meeting him here, which was such an honor and such an honor to work with him. But I was really happy that we all were on the same page, made it really yeah. fun and a consistent message throughout, you know, all the different types of horses and riders. Yeah. It was it was un it was unbelievably cohesive. It really yes. seemed like the three of you, it, like it was a it was rehearsed, but still somehow totally authentic and off the cuff. Um, that everything just seemed like it was seamless from one uh, one perspective to another. I think you guys did a tremendous job. And I tell you, when you say it seemed rehearsed, I mean, poor Sven, you know, he he wasn't there the day before, and there was no. I can tell you that. There was no meeting before where we even talked about this, <laughs> what we were doing. So that's even we more you. like impressive. We, it was so impressive. We actually saw you uh, right outside, and you said, "No, I have never met him before." And we thought you we thought you were guys were old friends. Truly, it was it was cool. <laughs> I was like, "Really, you've never met before?" That was amazing. Well, Sabine, I kept yeah. I I have pages and pages of notes, but. You talked about the analogy of a bow and arrow a lot, and I love that analogy. Can you kind of uh, give our listeners uh, a taste of what you were talking about with the bow and arrow analogy? 
Yeah, um, I mean, I often use it in the moment. So it's just getting the connection from back to front, but in a way where the whole body is involved. And I'm reflecting back to these incredibly moving horses that we have nowadays and the difference. So the bow and arrow is the difference to me when the horse really works through the whole body versus maybe being a little stiff in the top line and in the back, but they still use their legs. You know, they, 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 you get very flashy by using their legs a little bit separate from, from the whole body, which still can be very impressive. And I think that's where nowadays we get ourselves a lot in trouble when, you know, again, it takes such a great eye to see the difference, but to go back to the bow and arrow so that you can really, that the horse is pretty much through, meaning it lets the aids through. It's in front of the leg. It's on the leg. It's not running from the leg, the horse. Uh, the horse is not behind the leg either. Over the back. So it goes through a supple back that the rider actually can sit. One of my favorite, you know, when I learned, it was always the throughness was also judged on how the horse takes the rider and how easy it lets the rider sit. Um, and then into the contact, I mean, contact or connection, we talk so much about. And then that it's not being written into a stiff contact, but a recycling contact that forms a circle for the energy to flow through. So now you can really gather energy up and, you know, you decide how much do you want a forward movement, but because you gathered that energy up behind the saddle, it's it's uphill no matter what, if it's forward or if it's more collected or in a downward transition. It's always, you always have this gathered up forward energy with balance and you take it forward or back. And think about, you know, I was talking, I think the canter trot transitions are so important and I always try to remind riders, it's the same when you do a passage to PF transition. They have to stay mm-hmm. uphill and balanced and soft and in self-carriage. But I think, you know, for some reason, a lot of people, I was trying to point that out too, a lot of riders think too much of each level, of Mm -hmm. a level they accomplish instead of really seeing those, um, the training opportunities. That's why if I have, I love still to this day having four-year-olds because, a great canter trot transition. I already vision my PF uh, passage to PF downward transition. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's still extended trot to collected trot, but you see it's the, it's the basic half halt and it's the basic element of shifting the gears back and forth, but with always an uphill uh, balance. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could just uh, put that what you just said into a book, and you you don't need to do any <laughs> editing. <laughs> so, uh, so so exceptionally well stated and so articulate, Sabine. Um, we had the pleasure, and I, I should say we um, that the USDF is so incredibly fortunate now to have you on as uh, one of our educators um, with the U, the FEI level USDF Youth Clinic series, and. Um, 
I think it's such a, a metamorphosis to see uh, one of our Olympic level athletes and not just an Olympic level, like an Olympic silver medalist from the most recent Olympic Games um, that has turned around and uh, and really dedicated and given so much of her energy um, to education and to giving back to the community. Samin, can you tell us a little bit about what that means to you and what it's what it's like to be an educator as well as a rider and a trainer? Yeah, it's just always so exciting. I mean, first of all, working with the youth is something very special. I don't have children on my own. I always say I have a lot of furry children. <laughs> I <laughs> and, feel you. Um, I feel you. I'm the same. <laughs> but I love children, and we were often, you know, between two decisions, having children or not. But anyways... Um, that to me is really close to my heart. And also it's so rewarding to see these kids that are so hungry for learning. There's just something really magical. You know, I remember being at Noah's facility and we were done with the clinic getting ready for an evening uh, theory session. And you see everybody hand walking in the in the arena. We look through the clubhouse, through the window, and they're all bundled up together all friendly I mean that is really something I grew up with and it's a little bit challenging in the U.S. because of the distance and it just brought back such good memory and and was just really fantastic to see how they bonded and it was you know it is a single sport and in most of the the time other than when we go for team but uh, it was just fantastic to see how they all got together. And again, for me, I mean, even passing on, like, I don't know, I always think any mistakes I also make, I'm always thinking, oh, you know, I want to pass that on. Maybe somebody else I can help with not making that mistake or at <laughs> least making sure they, they don't do that. And yeah, inspiring people and um yeah, it's just the whole package of the sport. So for me now, also doing a little bit more teaching in form of master classes or symposiums and, you know, doing the youth clinics. I mean, first of all, I'm very, very honored, but it's just really exciting and fun to pass on what I have experienced and also what I have learned. So Sabine, just as as a takeaway for for everyone that wasn't able to be here. I think that that is one of the the best things about the trainers conference here is um, there's, there's so much discussion that goes on and, and there's times that you can just chat with friends and meet people. Um, what would be one kind of general takeaway you would, you would give to our listeners about the clinic and in what you saw, maybe, maybe good, or maybe something that we could all work on together. I mean, um, in general, I think just what you just said, just coming together in this big country is so important and, and being this, I love that, that it's a trainers conference. And, you know, to be honest, I've lived for seven years in Texas, the middle states, they all are a little bit always suffering from the distance <laughs> and not always having the access that maybe, you know, especially East Coast, Southern, you know, Florida um, or the West Coast. Has. So I think it's just also, like you said, a great opportunity to meet with trainers from all over the country. And just when you ask, I think you meant 
also more a specific training tool from from this past weekend i will i will go back and stick to my like the basics and i think i always say that it's easy to write every day but it's not easy to write every day well and yeah. i don't mean by that <laughs> i don't mean by that that is that is necessary but i think that you get my point and i often i think one thing i really can say is Sometimes we forget the basic things because it's so complex. And I think sometimes we maybe overthink a little bit. And sometimes I feel like the horses give us so much information too, you know, where sometimes I feel like we we don't listen. I was really reminded that strongly on my this year, last year on my Africa trip, because people asked me, well, how can you get so close to these? big five animals uh, yeah. the lions and the rhinos and you know what it was the the guard he was german and he was very knowledgeable and you could tell he was so passionate and he was reading these animals and based on understanding them he made decisions how close we get there or how long we stay close to a lion or etc so it just reminded me the horses give us so much information. Let's take, for example, what I said earlier. If your horse gets a little uncomfortable, like I have a young one and he didn't let me sit as well anymore. Well, what does that tell me? He's probably tense and he was not supple in his back. So I do a little bit more work and pay attention to that. Or if a horse gets a little bit lateral in the walk, what does that tell us? Most of the time, the horse is tense. And instead of keep going, just take that information in and and go back and fix that and make sure emotionally the horses are all good. They're, they're hard to show us un- uncomfort and because I think they're very pain tolerant in general and they don't show like maybe other animals as easily when they're uncomfortable so i really try to pay attention to those things that that come up in the training or sometimes teeth grinding well what does that tell us well he's probably not that that comfortable and i'm not saying that it's wrong right and sometimes we get horses with already those things but i feel like you know, I, I have a horse. I mean, I always love to just say I have the same problem, right? I have a horse or I'm training a lot of young horses. They sometimes go through a phase where they feel a little overwhelmed and challenged. And I had a horse. He started a little bit his teeth grinding. Where it right away gave me the signal back off a little bit, you know, make sure he's comfortable. He's not handling it emotionally and internally as well. And I backed off a little bit and I put some thoughts to what I wanted to get done. And then it was okay. And I could move forward again. But just paying attention to those things, I think, are really important. And also not overbooking your program where you don't have the time for each horse you know, enough. Like it's, I often hear people saying, I don't know how many horses they ride a day. And I'm thinking, well, you move them, but you don't train them, right? It's it, taking the time and listening to the horses, I think is really important because we do have a lot of information out there with books and 
and these clinics, for example. But again, it goes back to it's so hard to be every day on top of yeah. these things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so great. I mean, that's it, one of the reasons you're here today to talk to us to the on the podcast, right? I think to hear that you also have horses that do that, that mm-hmm. we're not, that it happens to everyone. It's mm-hmm. not just, we all sit in, in our arena and every single one's perfect and you're perfect. I mean, I, I always say no one tries to ride back. Badly. But what you just said was sometimes exactly. we're too Amen. busy. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, we're not here. We're all here because we love horses. And, you know, as I'm doing yoga this morning and I was like, I have a pretzel. And I'm like, clearly I'm doing this to make me ride better. You know, But, right. I, you know, we yeah. all try so hard. <laughs> Whatever it takes, Reese. Whatever it takes, you know, (laughs) I'm trying. Um, But to to hear, you know, I think it's so easy to say, oh, you know, Sabine is is amazing. And, 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 but to hear you have the same problems. And some of the reasons we miss listening is we're too busy or we're rushing or we're whatever. Um, and, And just to hear that, I think, and that's why these clinics and these interviews are so important so that we all learn. It happens to everybody and it's part of training horses. And if it were that straight line, <laughs> we'd all have the same yeah. metal you have. <laughs> it's just and, not. <laughs> and, and I think it's also a little bit being reminded and refreshed. I'm I'm sure yeah. a lot of people, you know, hear the things, but everybody also has a little different saying and comparisons that that click to certain people. But it's just so good, like the everyday, um, what's the word in English? Grind, right? Everyday grind. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes that. I mean, that's what I also meant by it's not so easy to write every day well, but these things help to be in, you know, get refreshed and get really inspired. I mean, as I say, I walked away from it. You know, I, I booked a clinic with, Lilo, I mean, it's just inspiration yeah. and yeah. you just don't stop learning. And let me tell you, I mean, if I know people always say that, that it helps, I have the exact same problems like every one of you, exactly the same. And it's for me, sometimes I want to bang my head against the wall. It's, like, it's, so, it's so humbling and difficult, but yeah. it's also a lot of fun, obviously. But it takes a lot of discipline, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it does so much. You, you know, um, we were so incredibly fortunate to have such exceptional hosts at the Adequan FEI Level Trainers Conference this year. Um, and this was my first time attending and, you know, going as a regional director for USDF as well as wearing the hat for the Dressage Radio Show, which was super fun. And Reese and I were creating quite a commotion in the corner. I'm sure some of the other auditors weren't always appreciative of that, um, but it was in good spirit. And uh, and we were certainly enjoying uh, the, the fabulous uh, education opportunity that was being made available. Um, one of the things that um, I, I absolutely want to highlight is that uh, we had the opportunity um, to recognize Marianne and Walter McPhail, um, who have made an exceptional contribution to our sport um, going forward. Um, I know that Stefan Hench, um, our USDF executive director, alongside George Williams and uh, representatives from the Dressage Foundation, were all uh, very excited to uh, recognize and, and present um, the McPhails with recognition um, for all of what they're doing for our sport. 
for those of you who are not familiar with that, um, the McPhails have committed to educational opportunities for all of the membership um, in the coming years by investing in technology that will allow each of our members to be able to judge alongside um, with uh, professional judges and to see real life examples um, of what earns a seven or what makes the difference between a seven and an eight or even a half mark and uh, and really um, putting their foot down and saying that that can't just be education that's reserved for the judges. Um, that's education that should be available to all. And that was part of um, Marianne McPhail's commitment um, in their pledge of making that educational opportunity available is that it should be available to everyone. And I think that, um, you know, as we recognize the McPhail's, um, Sabine, I also want to recognize you. You're doing so many wonderful things for our sport um, from the grassroots and the and the youth riders all the way to the top and working with professionals and uh, and just being such a, a committed educator and also turning this into such a collaborative process. I think that um, it really, uh, you put yourself on the level with, uh, with the other trainers that are there and with the riders that are up on the horses being our demonstration riders. And I think that that really makes it a positive learning environment for everyone. And I just think the vibe of this conference was tremendous. And uh, I'm, I'm so fortunate to have been able to be there and, and witness it. Um, it was not a surprise in any way um, to, to hear that come through from Sven and from you and from Lilo. Um, and you all just did such an exceptional job. And uh, and we're so proud to uh, to call you um, a member of our community and uh, and such a, an exemplary one at that. So thank you. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We know that uh, your time is precious and that the rain is just finally subsiding for you to be able to get out to the barn. Um, before we let yes. you go, uh, people always want to know how to get in touch with our amazing guests on the show. Um, what's the best way for our guests to follow or to get in touch with you? Instagram, uh, Sabine, or what is it? Sabine should care, <laughs> I think. I don't even know it anymore. But yeah, and I'm redoing my website right now. So I still have my old one up. Um, also, Sabine should carry.com and Facebook. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. And then email is carry Sabine at gmail.com. Awesome. And I'm going to help her out, folks. So if you're looking for her on Instagram, you can find her at Sabine Shoot underscore Carrie Dressage. Um, and you can also just type in Sabine Shoot and you will find her there as well. Sabine, thank you so much for joining us. We loved having you and we can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Sabine. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Even under the best circumstances, travel is stressful for horses. We've all been there, stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. You can make the journey knowing that U.S. Rider is there for you. Get peace of mind on the road with U.S. Rider's nationwide 24-7 roadside assistance coverage for both you and your horse. Join today at usrider.org. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am very fortunate to welcome onto our show for the first time Ryan Turkelly and his partner Thomas Walker. Gentlemen, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, awesome to be here. Thanks for inviting us. 
Absolutely. Well, um, this is probably the first time that we're spanning, I think, three, if not four different time zones to welcome our guests to the show. So uh, we're, we're conquering new territory here, which is exciting for Reese and I um, on our new adventure together um, on the radio show. But uh, we're super excited to have both of you guys with us. You know, we have so many amazing athletes that are representing uh, the United States and Canada that are stationed right here in our in the North American continent. But then we also have athletes that are competing and representing the flags on foreign soil. And that was really uh, the impetus for me to um, to think about this today and say, oh my gosh, we really need to touch base with our, our athletes that are carrying the flag overseas. So Ryan, tell us, um, you've lived in Germany for quite a bit of time. I think uh, I read somewhere that you first uh, moved to Germany in at age 19. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what took you there and, uh, and what's keeping you there now. So I was living in Thunder Bay. I grew up in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and I was crazy about horses, but never really got into, like I couldn't, I didn't have the opportunities to really ride. And a good friend of mine said to me, if you really want to learn how to ride properly, you have to go to Germany. So this was in my mind. And I did one year of college. And then I had the opportunity to train, uh, go to work, get a working student with Catherine Haddad. She needed someone to work for the summer to fill in for a little while. And I said, yeah, I'll be there. And I was there a week later. And I ended up staying. And yeah, it was an opportunity that really changed my life. Um, and the rest is history, right? <laughs> yeah, I just, the obsession continued and it still continues. And how did you guys come to decide as, uh, as a married couple, how did you guys come to decide that you wanted to relocate your training businesses and, uh, and you know, combine your efforts and uh, moving together and to start this whole endeavor of living in Germany? Well, we actually met in Germany years ago, I think in 2011. And so we had our first business together in Sweden. I was in a little bit of a in-between point in my life. And Thomas said, yeah, come to Sweden. And I said, oh, why not? And we did that. And we went through, I think, one of the worst winters in Sweden uh, that they had in decades. And Thomas said, let's go to California. And I said, I'll be there. No problem. <laughs> I understand, Thomas. Uh, that's why I'm a, I'm a snowbird officially. I punched my card. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. So that was an easy decision to make after a winter like that. Fantastic. So Thomas, what is it like to live and show in Germany for our listeners that kind of don't know that process? I mean, it's it's amazing. It's it's for me, it's so inspiring, you know, coming from growing up in California and riding and you know, I did juniors, young riders, U25, everything. And you always hear about, you know, Europe. And I mean, I had some experience because I'm half Danish. My my mom's originally from Denmark. I mean, she lives there now. But so, you know, I had a little bit of a taste. But Germany is sort of the mecca, right, of our sport. And to to actually be here, you know, immersed in everything is is really quite amazing. You know, because for example, you you go to one little quote unquote little show. You know, like a small show, you'll have 20 people riding in the Prix St. George or in the Grand Prix, you know, Amazing. and just the level of uh, just riding and horses. It's just it's amazing. And and where are you guys located? So we're uh, where we live. It, it, it's called Kerben Sindorf, uh, but it's really close to Cologne. So that's like the sort of largest city that we're close to. So you can um, essentially walk to Aachen. <laughs> basically basically yeah i mean it's like it's like it's like 35 40 minutes away from us 
So, of course, every time it's here, we're there. Beautiful. You know? Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I can think of worse things. And yeah. do you like guests during the Aachen week? No, just kidding. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I wrote in Aachen. I did the, um, the five-star in Aachen in 2021. And so I was on the on the team with the Canadians uh, coming back from Tokyo. So that was a really amazing experience. And then at the end of it, you have to ride your horses on the big jumping field and do the farewell of the nation. Mm-hmm. You guys have yeah, all seen that. Yeah, that's so that. cool. It's amazing. It's well, tell, tell our listeners about it. Yeah, <laughs> well, tell our listeners it, about it. We had crazy. a really cool time because um, you either use your competition horse, which people don't normally want to use because it's a really <laughs> intense environment, or um, you can rent horses, but they don't look... Yeah, they're not shiny, beautiful dressage horses normally. So I offered to take horses from our stable because we had some very well-behaved horses. And so we packed up Shtani, drove home 30 minutes, and our team at home had uh, four horses ready, all braided and bandaged, ready to go. We put them on the truck and we drove back to Aachen. We had for the Canadian team, so everyone had really beautiful horses. That's Uh, cool. That was really really fun because it was just fun to just go home and grab the horses and come back and do uh, the farewell of the nations. And it was a really fun experience. It's such an incredible thing to watch. You know, I've had the the great fortune of having actually been there and seen this in person. And I can't wait until the next one. It's I think it's as close as we can get as a as a sport um, to the Olympic opening ceremonies and the Olympic closing ceremonies yeah. um, is the parade of nations at Aachen is just unreal. And uh, kudos to you for having uh, checked that one off and having done that. Um, I, I think a lot of a lot of people could only dream of that. That was it but, was surreal. The weather was amazing. It was beautiful weather and the horses and just the whole atmosphere. The stadium was full of people, like just packed. Yeah, yeah. Yep. it's amazing. That's awesome. So, Ryan, in in 2022, you actually had a huge, I think, milestone opportunity to compete at the World Championships in Herning. Tell us about your horse partner and uh, and what that experience was like for you. So, my horse partner is Sternenwanderer. It's a bit of a mouthful. And he's, yeah, he's now an 18-year-old Rhinelander gelding. And he's a really incredibly special horse. We've been together now five years. Coming up, it's almost six years we've been together. And uh, we started at Free St. George, and I won competing the first year, and then we moved up to I2, and then, yeah, we just, in 2021, we did our first Grand Prix together, and we've been going consistently ever since. You know, I've been following along your journey, the both of you, for for quite some time now, and uh, and I always remark when I see the the leaderboards and the standings that you guys post um, on your social media after competition. And you know, a lot of the times you're at a, a CDN, you're at a national level competition in Germany, um, but you're still representing the United States and you're still representing Canada, respectively. And the outcomes and the results that you guys are putting up um, on a regular basis is just exceptional. And so to see then that you had the opportunity to represent uh, Canada at the World Championships is, is like I said before, it's just unreal. Um, was that something that you had your sights on or was that something that an, it was an opportunity that came up, you know, last minute? No, we had our sights on it. Definitely. It was one of our goals. It was one of our first goals that we set. And, you know, we take one day at a time. It is horses. And we're just very thankful and very fortunate because a lot of factors and a lot of things have to go right. Uh, to make it there. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, just realizing how many things have to go right and have to go well to make it there. And for every, I have so much more respect for all these top riders that are at the top and stay at the top. 
because there are countless factors that have to go right. Um, to yeah. make it there. Um, so for me, um, making it there uh, and having the opportunity to be there was really very special. I'm very proud of my horse and the whole team behind everything because it's really it's a huge team of people um, to make that happen. Wow, that's phenomenal. And and on that note, Thomas, uh, tell us about your up-and-coming FEI horses. Yeah, so at the moment, I have Ilamanamu. He's uh, my small tour horse, and uh, we did our first international uh, late last year. And uh, and you said Ryan had the horse with the tough name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to write that down. I'm like, ah, nope. Well, so Elamanamu the third, like number three, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we had our first international small tour uh, late last year, and uh, it, it was great. I mean, uh, we won the first day in the St. George, and you know, I went in, I went in with no expectations at all because I mean, I've had this horse since he was five, and I've always really had a special bond with him. You know, some would say maybe he's not the most like flashy, you know, biggest moving horse. He wasn't certainly when he was younger. But over the years, it's really developed. And I mean, he's really turning into something really exciting. But going into that, you know, like I said, I didn't I didn't expect anything. I was just so happy to go and do it. And, you know, I'm there supporting Ryan at these big shows. and I'm so proud of him. And then to actually be able to do it together was was so cool. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I have him, and um, uh, actually, my my Grand Prix horse, High Tech, who uh, unfortunately two years ago he was injured, but I was, you know, I, I was lucky to have a lot of success with him, you know, before the injury, and now he's coming back. So fingers crossed, everything's good. I actually uh, we did the uh, the ownership for uh, for Paris. I plan to declare with him. We'll we'll Very see what exciting. happens. Yeah, and and uh, I have uh, Venano. He's an uh, eight-year-old stallion, and uh, we're hoping to do you know start in the S and the Pre Saint George and I won this year. So like those are my three FEI horses, and then some really exciting young ones coming up. I have some couple of really good four-year-olds. Yeah. So I have so I have to ask you. You know, Tom Thomas, you're talking about your your up and coming mounts and your Grand Prix horse, and um, it sounds like you guys have um, an exceptional team that's behind you. Tell us about um, your yard and uh, and who you guys are training with, and how you guys came to be in that situation. Yeah. So I mean, our our yard, our facility is is really great. I have to say, we we are very happy there. It's uh, a place where the horses they can go out all the time outside, which is really important for us, especially in the summer. We have a lot of pastures and every horse has a, a green field that they can go out on for at least half the day. And also here in the winter, even when the weather's not great, you know, it's it's made so they can always be outside. It's such an important uh, thing for us that they can be outside. And um, it's, it's a big piece of our training, you know, that they can be horses too. That's the ideal situation. And I think everyone aspires to have the the opportunity to give their horses the the mental health time that they need to just be horses and and but also being high performance um, you know partners that that we need them to be uh, when they're in the show ring. So 
Um, gentlemen, we're coming up on a very important milestone with the Paris Olympics, like literally just around the corner. Um, I know that you guys both have horses that uh, that you're intending to declare for, that you have declared for. Have you guys thought about what it's going to be like if both of you were to make the team for Canada and for the U.S.? What that would be like? Uh, Ryan, what's your take on that? Oh, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> yes, I do too. Um, I was as like, you oh should. Gosh. Yeah, because, you know, um, we have three horses. Well, I declared two horses and Thomas is declaring high tech. And we thought, okay, what if this, what if this really happens? What if we're doing this? And yeah, it's yeah, for sure. Like the ultimate dream um, to be doing this together. Well, can I just Thomas, say, can it? we have you guys back on if that happens? I mean, yeah. we want to have you guys back on, but we want to be the first ones yeah, back, right. back in it. Exclusive yeah. rights. Okay. We want exclusive rights. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that That's fine. Amazing. Thomas, how about yeah. for you? What was that? What was that experience like to declare and uh, and to you know officially put your put your hat uh, in the ring on this? Yeah, you know, it, I mean, it sounds stupid, but it's like a dream come true. I haven't done anything yet, but I mean, just to like push that button and say I'm I'm going for it, you know? Yeah, amazing. And then it, it's it's even more motivating, you know, to to just think about it's. You know, there's a lot of mental stuff that we have to go through as riders and whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what your situation is, but, you know, yourself is sometimes your worst enemy, you know, like I'm not good enough or my horse, you know, I know my horse is good enough, but I think, oh, you, you know, he was injured two years ago and, you know, I don't want to push him too much, which I won't. And if we don't make it, it's okay, you know, but just to try is something pretty special for me. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So what happens now? You you click the button. That had to happen pretty soon. I think that that are the U.S. declarations in the next couple of weeks. So what happens now? Yeah. So for us, um, you know, here in Germany, and and I mean the rules, you know, with with the USCF and you know our federation, and then you know being here in Germany, you know they sort of have to work together. But I have to have two two competitions showing that I can do it. Basically, you know, you need a certain amount of scores um so i have to do that first and then i'm able to enter a cdi here so that's what i'm saying with the timing i don't know if i if we yeah. can actually do that yeah we'll see i'm gonna try <laughs> we're gonna try but yeah it's it, you guys, it, it, it could but yeah no. There's just there's so much to be excited about, I think, you know, that you even have the ability to be at the point where you can press the button. And uh, and so, you know, you've taken the first steps together on uh, on this incredible journey. And that's just so exciting. Reese and I were both back in uh, down in Wellington uh, last week uh, for the first global CDI of the season and uh, at the FEI trainers conference uh, that uh, USDF put on. Um, and it was you know, it's so exciting because we're you know, every day we get a new a new update from the media that you know a new horse has been acquired for another country and there's been a lot of action for the US and there's been a lot of action for Canada and all of a sudden there's just so much talent that's coming into both countries i think it's going to be a really exciting lead up um, to these olympic games but right on the heels of that um, we also just found out i think a, a few months ago uh, that aachen um, has won the the bid to host the world championships again in 2026 uh, what's that like to think about you know you guys like i said before you could walk to aachen so uh, what's it like to think of that could be in your backyard again and that you guys could have a shot at representing your countries um at the next world championships uh, just the same as the olympics 
Yeah, I mean, amazing. It's, I mean, like you say, it's so close for us. And, and that show, I mean, anyways, it's so prestigious. I mean, just to be there, you know, I mean, Ryan, he, I mean, he's ridden there, which, you know, is a dream in itself. But yeah, it would be really cool. Well, gentlemen, we had such a good time connecting with you, and thank you guys for making this work with your very, very busy schedules. We are fingers crossed and hooves and toes and toes all the different digits that we can. Thank um, you so you much. That things come together. Um, we want to make sure that our listeners can follow along with your journey. Um, Ryan, if our listeners want to connect with you guys, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? What are your social media contacts? Yeah, best is uh, on Instagram, and that's just Ryan Torkelly. Um my last name's a little bit hard to spell, but it usually comes up. It's two K's one L. <laughs> <laughs> we'll help them out with that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Very good. So that's the best way to get a hold of me. So Thomas, uh, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how is the best way for them to reach out? The best would be uh, Instagram. Thomas Walker 684. Perfect. Thank you, gentlemen, both for making time for us. And uh, and we will be watching patiently to see uh, your results and best of luck with your upcoming competitions. Good luck. Thank you. Well, you all seem to really like part one of our trailer series. Today, we're bringing you part two with Brad from Double D Trailers discussing trailer configuration. Welcome to our monthly horse trailer series brought to you by Double D Trailers. Find them online at DoubleDTrailers.com. That's double, the letter D, Trailers.com. Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning. One of the top requested segments we've gotten from listeners is about trailers and trailer safety. Brad Heath from Double D Trailers has agreed to help us with a five-part series on trailers. Brad is the owner of Double D Trailers with over 25-plus years of experience in the horse trailer manufacturing and equestrian industry. And we had a lot of response on the first episode, and that was the do's and don'ts of trailer hauling. You can find that at horseradionetwork.com slash trailer. Today... In part two, we're talking about trailer configurations and layouts, the the least controversial thing that we're going to discuss in these five-part series. Brad, as you know, I'm being very sarcastic about that. Because everybody has opinions, right? So is it straight or slant load? Which is better? Which is more horrible for my horse? Let's talk. Let's get into straight versus slant load trailers. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us, Glenn. And yeah, just throw me right into the lion's yeah, den right out one. of the gate, aren't you? I mean, come on here. So, you know, uh, I have been doing this for a long time, and we've dealt with thousands of clients on many different styles, many different configurations. And we hear from clients, you know, my horse doesn't haul well in a straight load. Uh, I won't, uh, you know, I've got to have something different. And then on the flip side, we hear from other clients, you know, I don't like slant loads. My horse doesn't haul well in that. Uh, I can't access the center horse and things of that nature. Um, I'm more of one of these folks who tends not to throw in my opinion on much of anything. That way I don't get into trouble so much. And I try to stick with, you know, what I've learned and factual information and feedback from clients over the years. You know, when we're looking at straight loads, I think the first trailer was built back in maybe the 50s and it was two horse bumper pull straight. Uh, the problems that I continue to see with straight loads today, particularly in a two horse, you know, you've got uh, 
once you get one horse loaded, you have the butt bar to contend with. That's uh, something that can be a hazard. We've actually had some clients get kicked while trying to access one of the horses and fooling around with the butt bar. And then when you're loading horse number two, it's sort of like a hallway effect. You know, if you got one horse in there, you got the other stall. So this guy, you're asking him to load in a smaller space. Now, granted, if you have a side ramp so that, um, you know, your horse doesn't have to back out, which is another thing that I don't particularly like because many horses don't like to do that. So if you had a side ramp, you could make the argument, hey, I can walk the horse on. I can walk the horse off. I can access either horse if I have an issue and, you know, load one or the other. The slant loads were introduced uh, back in the early 80s, I believe, is the history on that. And primarily, I think to pack in more horses in a smaller space and smaller horses, too, was their original intention. Uh, We'll hear from clients that say, well, my trainer says I need a straight load. And the science that I read says in a straight load that horses balance themselves on both front, both rear, front, rear, front, rear. So you don't end up uh, unloading the horse with one side that's lame or you know more fatigued than the other. Whereas in a slant load configuration, you know they may balance on the front, right, and left, rear, front, right, left, rear. And so the argument is, is over a many hour period. You know, if you're traveling to a show in a slant, uh, you may unload that horse and they favor one side or the other. So that's sort of the argument there, at least that I have heard from a trainer perspective. When we jump back to the slant load, you know, today, uh, Glenn, we probably do 95 percent slant. And I have clients all over the United States. That surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. We have clients all over the U.S. hauling really expensive breeding horses, uh, mare and foal, show horses. Um, I mean, y- you name it, some, some, some really high dollar uh, animals that you know, clients are transporting. So uh, safety is of the utmost importance, both for horse and handler. And a lot of the complaints with slant loads, you know, my horse doesn't like to load in the narrow door uh, with the rear tack. You know, we've solved that issue on some of our designs in a two horse configuration. If it were a slant, um, the argument is, well, I can't access the front horse in an emergency situation. We offer side ramp. So that solves uh, that issue. And then even in a three horse configuration, you know, we can do a side ramp on the front stall. We can do uh, you can access the back horse from the back doors of the trailer. But for the center horse, how do you get to him? Well, you know, we have solutions on that, too. We built a three horse reverse load with a double side ramp and it allows you to access each horse independent from the other. And then uh, other pushback that we hear on slants, you know, I have a 17-2 warm blood, uh, 1,500 plus pounds, and he or she, they're, they're just not going to fit uh, in that configuration. And which is entirely false uh, in horse trailers are just like pants and shoes and uh, coats and shirts, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And so we simply collect the need of the client. We listen to what they're you know, trying to accomplish. And then from there, we we make recommendations as to 
what may or may not work the best. We lay out all the information and we let the client make their own decision. So what's the difference? So talk about the reverse slant and reverse straight. What, what does that mean? Well, you know, I never even heard a reverse of a re- reverse load. I can't say it until about 10 years ago, a client out of Texas reached out to us. And she said, hey, I really like you guys uh, safe tack compartment and I want a reverse load. And I'm like a reverse who? What is that? And so she started explaining the benefits, some independent studies that suggest horses haul with less stress in a rear facing configuration. Uh, I jumped on and really just started to kind of look of what was available in the market. And a lot of manufacturers are already building reverse loads, but they were all littered with uh, safety concerns and safety hazards, either narrow ramps, no place for the handler to escape, no access to the middle horse. I mean, it, it was a laundry list of issues. And so, you know, we put on our thinking caps and set out to solve the uh, concerns associated with reverse loads and actually have a patent on that. So uh, our solution allows you to haul a horse in a forward-facing configuration or a rear-facing configuration, and that would be in the slant design. In a straight configuration, you know, I think... Well, before uh, you go on, so that they would have a side door to load then? You could load through the side door okay. and unload through the back or you yeah, can okay. load through the back door and unload through the side door. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So on the reverse load in a straight configuration, we typically see that in a two horse, I guess you maybe could do a three. I've never built one. Uh, the What I see that I personally don't like it is the horse's head is sticking right at the back doors of the trailer for one. So if you get rear-ended, um, I'm not sure, you know, what the safety aspect of that would be. And the other that. problem is on or the construction. quick. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other problem is on the construction design itself. The axles have to be, you know, if it's a two-horse bumper pull with a dressing room and you look at the axle placement uh, where the horse stands, the axles are slid farther forward on a reverse load straight than what they would be on, on a conventional straight load because they're trying to center the majority of the horse's weight over that axle bed. And that's fine. But my concern is, you know, I, I've had clients to haul horses in a box stall configuration. They remove the dividers. And if that weight shifts farther to the back because their head, their head is designed to be at the back, not their butt. And if you throw all that horse's body weight at the back, you know, I think you could end up with a negative tongue weight there. And that certainly wouldn't be a good situation. So uh, just for those reasons and a couple more, you know, those uh, we recommend against straight loads and reverse loads. And it's just not anything that we will build. Let's talk a little bit about the two plus one. Um, I'm actually seeing, I think, more two plus ones or maybe I just know people who own them more. Kind of explain that configuration. Yeah, so I'm not sure who came up with that. I think I first heard of it, I don't know, maybe early 2000s. I have no idea, but um, two plus one, what does that mean? Are we hauling three horses? What are we doing here? And we offer those. I've built a handful over the years, probably less than 10. It's just not something that we've had a, a tremendous amount of success with. And what I don't like about it, you know, folks... Kind of explain uh, what it is first. 
Well, two plus one would be you're going to straight load two horses in the back stall. It has a partition, butt bar, chest bar. And then there's a plus one area that's just open. There's not any partitions and typically not any padding. So you could haul a horse up there. um, Sideways almost, right? Sideways or at a slant. I mean, the horse can do whatever they want if it's in a box stall and they're untethered. My preference is I like to see horses tied and I like to see horses in stall dividers for, you know, bracing and uh, you have to really get on the brakes hard and things like that. And, you know, you have a client with very expensive horses and they're very concerned about the safety. They want the padding, they want the dividers and they want all of this. And then we've just got this one guy standing at the front by himself with no padding, no divider, no anything. And it's like, you know, what, what are we doing here? It's like, uh, this one is not important. Um, so, you know, I've had a couple of instances where a client was hauling two horses, a four-wheeler, a carriage, uh, it multiple things that she was needing. And that configuration solved all of her needs. So we went with that. So, but, what, so what happens there is the two horses are in the back straight load and then, then there's a space for the carriage or whatever uh, to go in front of them. That's right. So in that particular configuration that we built for the client, uh, I don't think we had a dressing room on it, just some doors that would swing open. So what I didn't like about it is on a straight load, the divider has to be moved out of the way. If you're going to load a carriage to the back door of the trailer and roll it to the front, you know, you'd almost have just side doors for that. You got to take the thing apart and the side door works, but only if you have a short carriage, I mean, you've got to, yeah, you got to be less than about a 90, 80 inches to fit it in sideways. And many of those are longer than that. So finally, the one thing I don't think we talked about where the wheels are, we've talked about weight, we've talked about all that stuff. The one thing we haven't talked about is height. And we've all been behind trailers where you got that tall thoroughbred in there who's hunched over because he's in this little tiny uh, quarter horse trailer. Is there a general rule for the height? Yeah, it's our, our standard models in an 80 wide, it'll fit up to, you know, 15 twos style horse. Those are going to be seven feet, four inches interior clearance. Uh, once we jump up to maybe a 16-1, hand guy, you know, we'd like to see 7-6 on the height. And then a huge majority of what we build for a 17 plus size, those are going to be 7-8. And I, I have folks that come to us and they're like, hey, I need an eight foot trailer. And, you know, my comments like, in, well, in 26 years, um, I don't know that I've ever built an eight foot tall trailer before. <laughs> so, you know, I won't say that seven, eight is the magic number for any horse out there. Cause there's certainly some that are, um, you know, really tall, but majority of the time that seven, eight height will give ample room for a large size horse as well as enough headroom uh, to enter and exit through a side ramp without, you know, smacking their head on top and things like that. Well, that's terrific. A lot of good information here. And I know everybody has their own preference and we probably haven't changed any minds about straight versus slant, but that's okay. As I said, we've had both and we we both have worked fine for us because we were trying to do it within the limitations of our horses in the trailer, right? Trying to be safe. So yeah, you have to do what's safe for you as well. Uh, where can they learn more about Double D and getting a trailer ordered? 
Yeah, jump on our website at doubledtrailers.com. You can price out right online. You can do various configurations, select your horse size. So uh, a lot of interactive tools there. Yeah, yours is more interactive than any other I've seen. And what are we looking at? One question we did get since the last uh, part that we did is, what are we looking at lead time if somebody orders a trailer? (laughs) In... um, uh, post COVID, when all that hit, twelve to fourteen months, but you know, finally things have caught up a little bit and turned back to normal. So we're in about that ninety-day window at the moment. Oh, that's not bad at all for a custom trailer. Well, you can find the previous episodes and all the episodes we're going to do, all the segments we're going to do on trailers and trailer safety. You can find them at horseradionetwork.com slash trailer. And don't forget that Double D Trailers has a podcast. What's it called? Uh, Horse Trailer Post Podcast. Check it out. Well, tonight, I am so excited to have back a very frequent guest to the show, Patty Mayer. Patty, welcome back to the show. We have missed you the last Thank couple you. months. I've missed you welcome, guys, welcome. too, although you and I do talk separately. But we, it's we always talk fun to be on. <laughs> we talk all the time. And I talk I to Noah all the time, too. So it's I was going to say, I'm like, what? We haven't spoken recently? <laughs> <laughs> we speak, we see you. each other, we email, we Facebook, we do things. There you go. Noah you and I, we're you guys, <laughs> you guys probably see each other in person more than I see Patty in person, but we talk quite a bit. Probably well, true. Patty, we wanted to have you on and catch up. We haven't talked to you in a while, but you, as always, are doing something very cool Friday, March 22nd. Can you tell us what you're up to? True. So we are doing a West Coast fundraiser, not the people from other than the West Coast shouldn't come, people should come, a fundraiser for the United States Equestrian Team, so for USET. And USET, as you know, kind of funds the elite and developing programs for USEF, who do useful things like send people to the Olympic Games for Paris, in Paris, <laughs> or the Pan American Games, or the World Equestrian Games, or name that game. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we we did one for Tokyo and we actually did one as well for Sydney and it's a super fun event. I mean, this is going to be pretty amazing. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is our honorary chair and I hope he's going to actually come. I mean, sometimes honorary chairs do things like get real jobs, but that would yeah. be super fun. I'm hoping he's going to be there. And, you know, as you know, um, we have, you know, our dressage team coaches out here and, you know, so Charlotte should be there and Christine should, Christine is the current, you know, is going to be our person in Paris. And yes. so she should be there and Stefan and Gunter and, you know, the gang, uh, Hilda's going to come. I mean, so we should have, at least on the dressage part, lots of Olympians and I'm not as good on the hundred jumper, the jumper part. And, oh, and Tammy Smith will be there too. So I know we're going to have um, adventures as well. And we're going to have, it's, it's good. There's, we got so lucky because there's a big, big hunter jumper show at Del Mar Fairgrounds the same weekend as there's a CDIW at show park and they are right across the freeway from each other. So we should have an amazing, amazing group of people coming. You know, we're with luck. We'll have, you know, 450, 500 people there. And we have super fun demonstrations and insane. I'm in charge of this part, so it better be good. An insane <laughs> live and silent auction item. So if anyone wants so to cool. donate by hearing this, call me. So we have <laughs> VIP tickets to the Olympics. 
including, you know, fabulous seats for either dressage or jumping and the VIP hotel in Versailles and being wined and dined. And, you know, it is impossible to get tickets to the equestrian part of the Olympics. And so <laughs> we have that. We have a month's worth of, uh, of board and training with Christine Traurig and Sabine Shot Carey. We have <laughs> a really pretty. We have a similar one for jumpers with another another like amazing, amazing jumper coach. So, you know, a month's worth of board and training. I'll arrange for people's horses to get taken places. I'm, you know, looking for a place to store, you know, to house people. We have a full equestrian makeover at Mary's Tech and Feed. So there's one for dressage and one for hunter jumpers where, you know, a glittering person from dressage will take you in to Mary's and help you choose out your new ensemble. And some, so and we have another very famous <laughs> person. <laughs> I know. And another famous person will come with you to Mary's Tech and Feed and, and do that. And then Halter Ego, bless their little cotton socks and fabulousness. Wendy at Halter Ego is developing. First of all, there are entertainment sponsors. So they're helping, you know, a certain, pay for stuff at the entertainment, which is pretty fun and good. But also she's developing her own, an, her, a line of product, not product, a line of USA themed gear specifically for the event. And mm. we'll, anyway, it's going to be amazing. I mean, everyone's been great. Mary's has been great. Halter Ego has been phenomenal. We just got one of the really good non-alcoholic Bev companies, international companies to donate a huge amount of non-alcoholic bev and cocktails and we have a wine we have wine sponsors we're looking for more of those and <laughs> anyway <laughs> this is need a call to action tequila. for a lot of people if you call to a lot of people mr walberg we need stuff. your tequila yes exactly <laughs> yeah. so but i mean it's fun it's going to be pretty good we've got you know golfing with celebs we've got all sorts of fun things um so Patty, and this is with, and, Patty, this is this is a monumental undertaking, and it doesn't surprise me <laughs> in the least that you are at the helm of this whole thing. Um <laughs> tell, tell us tell I, us a little bit about tell us about um what fuels your fire on this. What why why are you so personally invested in this? <laughs> well, A, I'm an idiot, and B, as you know, no. I just I like to I like to do things. So I do things for a bunch of different charities. Um, I do things for that. I do things for DASC, which is has been Dressage Association of Southern California, which has been kind of reformatted to give money away to people who need it in our community. Um, I do a lot for the Motion Picture and Television Fund, um, which is, you know, in my previous world, um, <laughs> a charity started by Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks that has everything from an old folks home to clinics to anyway. So I, I do a fair amount of just this kind of work. And then years ago, I'm trying to remember who had called me up. I got involved doing a fundraiser for USET for Sydney. No, not for mm. Sydney. What was the one right after that? For Beijing or for London? No, it wasn't. Oh, it was for Athens. London. Athens was two. For Athens. Yeah. yeah. And um, I got involved with that because someone volunteered me because I was in the film industry and they needed stuff done. <laughs> wait, wait, Noah, have you ever heard of anyone volunteering me to do things before? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel beef, everybody. And, I feel a little, a little something here. <laughs> and, then, um, <laughs> and then, and then several years later, cause then I moved to England and moved back and whatever. And several years later, um, 
Christine Traurig and Sean Cadell, who is Gunter's husband, had put on a, fu- a USET fundraiser in San Diego, and it was great, and they just shouldered it and did it, and it was a fabulous and fun event. Again, mainly dressage people, because they're dressage people. And I called up, I want to say Sean and Christine, before Tokyo and said, we should do that again. And Sean, of course, is phenomenal. It's like, yes, we should. <laughs> And then he, so the host, so the, the kind of the committee, the, the, the committee of group, the, the group of us who do this at the moment are me, Sean, Annie Finch, Laura Maloney, and Francie Neil Ferruccia. That's, that's our, that's our kind of committee that's putting this on. And then we have a big host committee of people who are putting it out on social media and, you know, trying to get their clients to buy tables. And then we have an athletes committee of people who are doing the same. Um, so it should be really fun and really glittery and really festive. There you okay. go. So, well, there, there, there's so much exciting stuff going on um, in Del Mar again, and it's really exciting. You know, it's probably been, I don't know, 10 years plus since um, since we had um, these really big CDIs in Southern California, um, but specifically in the Del Mar area um, and San Diego area. You know, you, you, you already said it before, but, you know, we have a major hunter jumper event going on at the Del Mar fairgrounds and on the other side of the interstate, which is like literally maybe a mile away or less. Yeah, you could uh, walk at the, at, at the <laughs> at the newly renovated Hits Del Mar Horse Park um, is coming alive and they've got a whole string of CDI competitions. And it's probably, I haven't looked at the calendar, but it's probably one of the last CDI World Cup qualifying events um, in the North American League um, for for our athletes um, will be held that same week. Um, So this event is happening on March the 22nd, right? Correct. March the 22nd in the evening. Uh, You can get tickets online at uset.org. There should be a nice landing page. And if you can't figure that out, my God, call me 310-729-3365 and I'll get you and I'll get you the right place. <laughs> and if you have anything you to all... donate or Bev's, yes. we need beverages, tequila specifically. Not yet, but we, that's right. but we don't, we do not, we are really good on, on non-alcoholic Bev. So, nice. I mean, really good. I don't think I can announce it yet who it is, but it's super good. Like so super cool. good. So, so I'm very excited about it. The last CDI, which is the last qualifier for the Olympics for the U.S. team, is going to be in Temecula. In the, it's the first weekend in May, and it's called the Spring Benefit Show, and it's a fundraiser for the Dressage Association of Southern California, which, as I said, has been you know redone as kind of an old-fashioned charity where, like, you are someone who needs money. You broke your arm, and you're in the horse industry, and you need someone to help you pay your deductible, that kind of stuff. So that's going to be the final selection trials for the Olympic team, and that's going to be in Temecula at Galway in May. And I have to tell you, it, I'm, now I'm going to make a little pitch for riding in CDIs. It is so much fun. I mean, who cares if you come in first? Well, I mean, some people care if they come in first or last. I tend to not care if I come in first or last because I'm going to get comments from five of the best judges in the world. And they and I'm going to be able to see all of those comments online in a really interesting and easy way. And I'm going to learn more. And, oh, by the way, if you can't ride without a whip, seriously. Uh, and you now can ride without spurs if you have a horse that doesn't go in spurs, which is right. fabulous, which you, by the way, can't do under USEF rules, but you can now do it under FEI rules. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not so, and as someone who tends to over aid, I'm considering that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do better oh. if I don't wear spurs and goose for PO. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. Well, Patty, thank yeah. you so much for tonight. And again, one more time, how can people find info on the fundraiser? On the fundraiser, www.uset.org. If, they, if someone wants to get a hold of me, they can call me on 310-729-3365 or better to text. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Patty, thank you so much for the announcement. We're really looking forward to it. You're very, very welcome. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Patty. Well, everybody, remember, we love your email and Facebook shout outs. Please feel free to say hi to us. If you see us in Wellington, Noah and I, we would love that. We always love when people come. Don't feel don't feel weird. It's fine. It happens all the time. Uh, and we, We're nice. We don't bite. Yeah, we don't bite just mo- on most days. <laughs> but as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our page at horseradionetwork.com. Search Dressage Radio Show. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. And my website is devinwoodec.com, and you can follow me on Facebook at noah.ratner or email me at region6dir at usdf.org. We'd like to thank our amazing friends and show sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Double D Trailers. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. From the stable to the show ring, from the first half halt to the last, make every day count. Talk to you guys soon.